You know, it's Christmas time. I don't know if y'all have noticed or not. I mean, it maybe started for some of you back like in October. I don't know why the retailers think they have to start decorating for Christmas, you know, like before back to school. I don't know. I saw, I was walking through Sam's in July, and they started putting Christmas stuff on the back aisle of the center section there, but it was at the back aisle, but it was out. They had Christmas stuff out. And so, I don't know, some people, I'll just speak for myself, some people, by the time we get to this point in December, are Christmas out. Anybody in the room, no, don't, don't identify yourselves. Somebody will call you the Grinch. I'm just saying, you may not be green. You may not have a heart that's black and ten sizes too small or whatever the rhyme. But, but some of us are really kind of Grinchy by the time December gets here. I was a little bit Grinchy a few weeks ago. I got a little Grinchy. I was putting out the Christmas lights. Trina, you know, every year has to kind of beat me about the head and shoulders to get me to go up in the attic and get all the Christmas lights out and, and take them out in the yard. And this year she wanted me to add more lights than we have done in the past. And so I'm lining the flower beds in the front with stakes like every four inches to put the big lights in. And it's like a whole day affair at my house just to get the lights out in the front yard. I'm not talking about having crawled up in the attic yet to get the Christmas tree down, that 200-pound wonder. I haven't done that yet. We haven't decorated the inside with the 17 bins and boxes that have to come down out of the other part of the attic, right? I mean, we haven't crawled into all the crawl spaces and hidey holes and pulled out Elf on the Shelf and all the other things that go with Christmas. I've just decorated the front yard. And I was beaten down by Christmas already. It was like a week after Thanksgiving. And I think that because of that, some of us get into this, this mode around Christmas time where we're really just of a mindset of, of survival, right? You're, you're not really, I mean, you're just trying to survive Christmas. Christmas becomes this month long, this six week long, this two month long beat down of all of the stuff that goes with it. You've got decorations, you've got parties, you've got family to deal with, right? I mean, you've got to worry about what you're eating and how much you're eating. I can't eat too much at this house because I've got to still have Christmas at this house, this house, and that house. Christmas Day is not fun because we drive 180 miles in town just to visit all the people we've got to visit, right? It's back and forth and here and there, and man, it's just crazy. So we have all of this tension built up. Holiday parties, Christmas parties. Can I say Merry Christmas or does it have to be Happy Holidays? I don't... We just get all tensed up and worked up and messed up about Christmas. And we get into survival mode. But Christmas, Christmas isn't about survival. Christmas is about celebration. The purpose of Christmas, at least partially, is for you and for me and for everybody to celebrate the most historically significant event in human history, the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We're to celebrate at Christmas. And we get into this mode of survival because the celebration starts too soon and the celebration gets off focus. Some of you, if you're in survival mode today, it may be because you're celebrating, but maybe you're celebrating all the wrong things. So I ask you this morning as we go into this message and into this series called The Purpose of Christmas, 
to ask yourself this question right now. What are you celebrating? What are you celebrating? Why are you celebrating? Two important questions, aren't they? What am I celebrating and why? Because if you're celebrating the gifts under the tree, if you're celebrating all of the, the parties, if you're celebrating the opportunity to wear the cool clothes, the Christmas sweater with all the adornments, I mean, you think that's cool, somebody else does it, but it's okay, you can think that. If you're celebrating the Christmas dinner, come on now, some of us celebrate the Christmas dinner. You might have missed the boat on what and why to celebrate. We need to celebrate the birth of Christ. See, we overlook the main thing. The main thing is Jesus. It's his birthday. And we overlook the main thing. It's, I think, oftentimes because we're celebrating the wrong thing. We're celebrating all of these other things, decorations and presents and trees and lights. We're celebrating even getting together a family and grandmas and grandpas, and, and we're celebrating Christmas dinners, and all of those are wonderful, good things. My family, we, we, we do all of that. None of those things are bad. But when they become the main thing, when your focus shifts from celebrating the birth of Christ to celebrating those things, you go into survival mode and you're not really celebrating. Let's look at Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 20. It's the Christmas story, much like our children just painted the picture for us. Let's, let's see what the original Christmas looked like and find out if, if celebration really is a part of the purpose of Christmas. Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 20. There were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. Not celebrating yet. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You'll find a baby wrapped and cloths, and lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. And when the angels had left them and gone into the heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off. And they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Celebration. See, Christmas has always been about celebration. It's always been a celebration. Look at this. The angels appeared. They told the shepherds of good news that would cause great joy. 
They said, glory to God in the highest. The shepherds glorified and praised God. They, they did all of these celebratory things. So they celebrated immediately the birth of Christ. I wondered when I first read this story, why did the angel proclaim the birth of Christ to lowly shepherds? Why not go to the kings, to the royalty? Why not go to, to those people who, who had all of the ability to throw a massive celebration? Why not go to the priests in the temple who could spread the word? Why the lowly shepherds? And, and look, I'm, I'm, not, I'm out on a limb here telling you my opinion. This isn't biblical necessarily. But you know why I think it was the shepherds that got the good news of Jesus first? Because the shepherds celebrated right there on the spot. They didn't take the time to decorate and make an invitation list, to plan the menu, to make sure they had the perfect dessert. They didn't take the time to, to do all of this big elaborate stuff that we associate with Christmas. I think the kings and the authorities and the priests and, and those people probably would have, would have done all of that stuff and they would have missed the main thing to focus on the party. See, the celebration isn't about the, 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 the getting together and the feasting and all that stuff. The celebration is about the birth of Jesus and the shepherds in their rough clothing living out in the field with their calloused hands and sunburned faces. Man, they just threw down right there. And they praised God and they gave Him glory. The shepherds did some cool stuff. They praised and glorified God. And then they, they hurried off. So they celebrated immediately. And then they said, hey, we're, it's just us. Let's go party with Jesus. Let's go celebrate with this child that's been born. And they hurried off and they found Jesus and his family. And they celebrated right there on the spot with Jesus. Celebrated his birth with his, with his family. And then... They returned, glorifying and praising God. And what did they do? They told people. They shared the story. They told everybody they ran into, everybody they encountered. Hey, did you hear? Did you hear the good news? A Savior has been born. Praise God. Let's, let's celebrate the birth of our Savior. I wonder if any of you can remember being a brand new believer in Christ. Do you remember what it was like? Do you remember how, how you reveled in the thought that God could love you? Insignificant, sinful, dark you? Do you remember how you might have been just filled with that overwhelming joy? I remember it in my life. It was 20 years ago for me. Some of you, it may have been, a, you know, last weekend. Some of you, it may have been 40, 50 years ago. I don't know. For me, it was about 20 years ago. And before I knew Jesus, I had a pretty dark spell in my life. I was a drug addict, a drunk, and a drug dealer. I used to wear my hair long and a big ponytail, had three earrings, and I hung out in Deep Ellum. That was my, my stomping grounds, man. Those were my peeps, and that was my life. I was chasing, I was celebrating. Celebrate good, I won't sing anymore, but you know the song, right? That was my life. I was celebrating good times, Friday, Saturday, and especially Sunday nights. That was a popping time in the clubs. That was 70s night back in the 90s. 
That was what my life was like. And then I was ambushed by Jesus. Boom! I made a drug deal with a DEA agent. Bad idea. And I remember laying in my bed, wondering what was going to happen next. What would become of my so-called life? And I remember thinking, there's got to be more than this. There's got to be something else to celebrate than the next high, the next party, the next feel-good moment. And it took me about a year and a half of, of thinking and wondering and reading and researching and asking people before I realized the only thing, the only one worthy of celebrating is Jesus. And I prayed a prayer and asked him into my heart to take control of my life, to become the, the leader of me, my Lord, and my Savior. And he did, and my life was radically transformed. Radically transformed. At the point where that happened, I was like 21 years old. I wasn't like, I really was. I don't know where that came from. I was 21 years old. I was in College Station trying to get my life straightened out, turned around. I worked at a Sam's Club down there. I was a supervisor. I supervised the front end, and I had all the cashiers who, who reported to me, and I won't lie, I was a little proud, had a little bit of a big head. That's right, I'm the supervisor. <laughs> I got control over when you go to lunch. What kind of power trip is that? But that was me. I had a mouth like a sailor. I had a past that I didn't think could be forgiven. I had a present that didn't amount to much, though I was pretty proud of it and no idea what my future looked like. But when I became a Christian, that moment, there were no fireworks. I didn't feel like a, a magic wave sweep over me. But when I went back to work, it was, that was on a Sunday morning, by the way, in a church service, of all things, at a business seminar. Yep, that was me. Saved at an Amway function. I went back to work on Monday, and my cashiers were like looking at me funny throughout the day. And about two weeks into this, one of them came and asked me, what is different about you? See, I didn't even realize how much I had changed. Now, when I got back that, that Sunday night, I told my roommate, who was my drug dealing buddy, what I had done, and that I was a Christian, and I wouldn't be doing any of that stuff anymore, and we could still go to the bars, but I'd be drinking Diet Coke which I did, and, and he thought I was crazy. He looked at me like I had ten heads. And then so I was just telling people all this time about my, my conversion, about my salvation, and this cashier came to me, and she's like, what is up with you? And I like, blah, 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 threw it all up on her, you know? I was just celebrating, man. I was just telling people what Jesus had done, who Jesus is, all this stuff I had never gotten before in my life. I was so excited. Do you remember your story? Do you remember the moment you became a Christian? Do you remember the weeks, the months, the year, two years, three years that followed? Were you on fire? Were you celebrating what God had done? Were you in awe? Did you just love the good news? When in your life did the good news just become news? When did the news become old news? When did you lose the passion, the zeal, 
that fire and excitement, that celebratory spirit of a new believer? When did the good news of Jesus just become mundane? Something you took for granted, forgot about, to the point where you can't celebrate Jesus 365 days a year? You can't even celebrate him for the month of December? It's a struggle to celebrate the 12 days of Christmas, whatever those are. And you might celebrate Christmas Eve or Christmas morning. But not for long, because then the beatdown of tearing all the decorations down follows shortly thereafter. Have you taken your eyes off the main thing? Have you slipped into survival mode and forgotten to celebrate? See, it's not a matter of whether Jesus is worthy of our celebration. We know that he is. He's worthy of all of our praise, all of the honor and the glory that we can send his way. He is worth celebrating. It's whether or not we remember to celebrate him amidst the chaos that surrounds Christmas today. We forget to celebrate Jesus because of all the craziness around us. You know, the Bible is full of reminders for believers Full of times where God says, remember, remember, remember. We're reminded all throughout the Old Testament and all throughout the New Testament. In the Old Testament, the ancient Israelites would stack stones and make little memorials to remember the goodness of God, the greatness of God, the things that he had promised them, the, the good stuff that he was doing and said that he would do, the things he had already done. In the New Testament, Jesus gives us the Lord's Supper or, or what we sometimes call um, uh, communion. Bread and wine. He said, do this in remembrance of me. Maybe today we need to be reminded to remember. We need to be reminded to remember. You know, the, the, the old Christians had to be reminded to remember. Old school Christians, the guys who walked with Jesus, his original disciples, had to be reminded about the greatness, about the goodness of God. I'm talking about the dudes that like camped with him for three years. They were with him 24-7, 365 just about. If you check out uh, Matthew, in chapter 14 of Matthew, Jesus pulls off an, a, just an amazing miracle. Does that even work? Amazing miracle. Are any miracles not amazing? I don't know. But he pulled off a miracle. Jesus fed five thousand people with a couple of loaves of bread and like five fish. I think it was actually two fish and five loaves, but who's doing the math? Five thousand people. And when they were done eating, his disciples gathered up baskets and baskets and baskets of leftovers, way more than what they had started with. And then one chapter later in Matthew 15, Jesus does an encore performance. He feeds four thousand with a handful of bread and fish. And then, in Matthew chapter 16, verses 9 and 10, Jesus, speaking to his disciples, says, Do you still not understand? Don't you remember the five loaves for the 5,000 and how many basketfuls you gathered? Or the seven loaves for the 4,000 and how many basketfuls you gathered? See, in a short period of time there, the disciples had forgotten about the greatness of Jesus. They forgot about the good things, the miraculous things that Jesus does. See, Jesus is a miraculous provider. 
I think we need to be reminded of who we celebrate and why we celebrate and who we celebrate is Jesus. And one of the reasons we celebrate is that he is a miraculous provider. He provides everything that you and I need. Every single thing from the air that we breathe, the water we drink, the food we eat, the skills you have to do your job and earn the money that you earn. He provides your children. He provided your parents. Everything that you need. He is a miraculous provider. Don't forget. Remember. Matthew chapter 17, verses 14 through 18, Jesus heals a demon-possessed boy. When they came to the crowd, a man approached Jesus. He knelt before him. He said, Lord, I have, have mercy on my son. He has seizures and is suffering greatly. He often falls into the fire or into the water. And I brought him to your disciples, but man, they, they couldn't heal him. Jesus rebuked the demon in verse 18. He rebuked the demon, and it came out of the boy, and he was healed at that moment. Jesus is more than a miraculous provider. Jesus is the great physician. He is a healer, and he can heal anything that is wrong with you. He can heal things that others can't. He can do things that doctors haven't dreamed of. Sometimes he does things through those doctors and blows their own mind. They stand back and are like, I don't think I did that. And they didn't. See, Jesus can heal you physically. He can heal you mentally. Jesus can heal you emotionally. And Jesus heals you spiritually. Jesus, the great physician, can heal anything. Remember, don't forget. John chapter 9, verse 5. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. I'm the light of the world. Jesus is light. He's light. He penetrates darkness. You know, there's no such thing as, as darkness. You can't measure darkness. You can only measure light. What we call dark is simply the absence of light. Jesus can penetrate the darkness of your heart, the absence of light. He brings the light into you, and you shine with the light of Jesus. He can shine light into the darkest places, the darkest hearts and minds in our world. And we've been reminded over the last week or so how dark our world is. We've been reminded of the darkness of people's hearts. That the depravity of mankind knows no bounds. And yet Jesus can penetrate even that darkness with his light. Don't forget. Remember. Full circle. Back to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, verse 11. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Jesus is light. 
Jesus is healer. Jesus is provider. Jesus is Lord. He's Savior. Jesus, as your Lord, can lead you out of that darkness, out of the life that you have lived, and into the life that God intends for you, the life that he planned for you before he knit you together in your mother's womb. He can turn you from the person you are, the person you were, into the person he designed and desires you to be. Jesus is Lord, and he is the Savior. He saves you from your sin. We all have a sin situation. I have a sin situation, and so do you. Our sin situation is this. Sin separates us from God. The Bible says we've all sinned and fallen short of God's glory. God, in His holiness, cannot welcome us into His presence when we are stained by sin. He didn't create us for sin. He only gave us the ability to sin because He loves us and allows us to choose to follow or not. Adam and Eve set the tone set the stage for all of us when they sinned, and we've all been born into sin. So we all have a sin situation. We're all separated from God, but God loves us too much to leave us separated from Him. He built a bridge. He sent Jesus to bridge the gap that separates us from Him to cover our sin. Jesus took the punishment for your sin and for mine. Now, whether you've chosen to receive the gift of salvation or not, Jesus died for you just the same. And his death and his resurrection provide salvation for you and life eternal for you. Jesus is Lord and he is Savior. Remember, don't forget. Remember, don't forget. Besides stacking stones, the Old Testament Jews had another way that they used to remember God, to remember His greatness, to remind themselves of all that He had promised and all that He had done. They used to tie these tassels to their clothing. And sometimes if you see certain uh, uh, sects of Judaism today, that was sects, not sex, but sects. When you're from Texas, sometimes you have to stop and enunciate really clearly. But there are some Jews today who still wear traditional clothing and still wear these tassels on their clothes. And it's to remind them of God's greatness, of his provision, of his goodness, of all of the miracles and, and promises of God. And they would get up in the morning and put their clothes on and they would see their tassels and be reminded. And they would go out into the, the world to do their thing that day. They would pass each other in the streets and they'd be reminded. They'd go into the marketplace and, and buy and sell and they would be reminded as they ran into each other coming and going and doing. And they'd go home at night and they'd take their clothes off and they'd see the tassels and they'd be reminded. And they were constantly reminded all throughout the day of God's greatness, of His promises, of His love and His mercy and His goodness. And I don't know about you, but I'm probably not inclined to wear many tassels on my clothes today. I, I thought about calling um, Congregation Colomy, the Jewish temple here in, in Flower Mound, and asking them if they had some tassels that we could buy. So like, you know, a couple hundred tassels and get everybody decked out with some tassels. But I thought that'd probably be a waste of money. Most of you wouldn't put your tassels on. So I had to come up with something else to help us on a daily basis throughout the day be reminded of the greatness of God. And so I came up with a way to remind ourselves of this. 
If you're a gentleman, reach into your pocket. See if you have any pocket change. Ladies, grab your purses, dig into your wallets, whatever you got to do. Now, some of you are plastic-only people, and I know this. I are one. And so I have provided some change for you. Randy is going to start our offering baskets around. This is not a time for you to put into the offering basket, but actually time for you to take out. If you need a coin, take a coin. It's kind of like the convenience store thing, right? If you, need, if you need some change, take some change. Just one coin is all you need. Doesn't matter what you get. I'm going to tell you guys right now, these coins came out of my coin jar that we keep on the, in the pantry at our house, and anytime somebody comes home with change in their pocket, they throw it in the coin jar. So take a coin if you need a coin. If you take a coin, you can keep the coin. I'm cool with that. Tithe on it. Just joking. <laughs> so Jim's over there trying to figure out how you can cut a tenth off of that penny, man. Doesn't matter. Penny, nickel, dime, quarter. Just take a coin, whatever coin, any coin. It's almost like a magic trick, right? I know it's weird taking money out of the offering basket. God is not going to strike you down if you do that, okay? It's all good. Everybody got a coin? Got the coins out? All right. So I thought, most of us still have interaction with change, coinage today. Some of us are plastic-only people, but even if you're a plastic-only per person, you'll see a coin on the ground, you'll see somebody open the cash register, and you'll hear the jingle jangle. You'll have coins in your ashtray, in your car, or the cup holder. You'll encounter change on a regular basis. You'll en encounter coinage on a regular basis. So I think these coins are a great way that we can remind ourselves of the goodness of God. And you're like, I don't get it, Todd. Good, because I'm going to explain it. Here it is. If you got a penny, hold up your penny. Anybody holding a penny? All right, your penny. The penny is to remind you of your past. Some of you are smart. You figured it out. Penny, past. Todd's working with the P thing. The penny is to remind you of your past. We all have one. You all have heard a little bit about mine. Some of you have a past like mine that's very dark. Some of you don't. Some of you have a present like mine, maybe. I don't know. It's dark like my past. I don't know. But you have a past. I have a past. We all have a past. It doesn't matter how dark your past is. It doesn't matter how distant you think you were from God in the past. It doesn't matter what things you have done, how far you wandered, how wild you lived just doesn't matter. God says He can make your past, your sins, as far as the east is from the west. In other words, infinitely separated. You're never too far from God. You're never too dark for God. You've never been too wild for God to forgive your past. Celebrate this Christmas because Jesus' birth is about forgiving your past. If you got a nickel, hold your nickel up. Got one nickel in the room, two nickels. Amen. Nickels, hands going up everywhere with nickels, yes. The nickel is to remind you of now. Yep. I'm doing that pastor thing. In, in. Now. The nickel is to remind you about now. Your past has been forgiven, but some of you are living in the now and you're worried about your right now. Now? You know what Jesus said about right now? John 10.10, Jesus said, I came that you might have life and have it to the full. 
I came so that you can live blessed now. You can live blessed now. God can take whatever it is you're doing now and turn it into a blessing for you. Whatever deeds you prefer nobody know about, whatever thing you're hiding, whatever pet sin you're holding on to, whatever you're doing now, now, right now, that thing you're thinking about right now, celebrate Christmas because Jesus lived and died for your now. Got a dime? Anybody take the little tiny small coin, the dime? Got one dime on the front row? Any more dimes? Got a dime over here? Dime going once, going twice, sold to the dimes. Dime is about your destination. The dime is to remind you about your destination. See, if you have experienced the change that comes from a relationship with Jesus as your Lord and Savior, then your eternal destination is determined. Amen. That's good news right there, baby. Your eternal destination is determined. Your past is forgiven. Your right now is taken care of. And your tomorrow, your eternal destination is determined. Jesus came so that you could have an eternal destination of heaven. So that you can live eternally in community with Him and other believers in heaven. So that you can celebrate every day the goodness of God right there in God's physical presence in heaven. I said earlier, we all have a sin situation. Our sin separates us from God. We all need Jesus because we all need our past forgiven. We all need our now taken care of, and we need our eternity, our destination, determined before we get there. And the truth of the matter is this. Your destination is determined. The moment of your death, your physical death in this life, it's too late to change that destination. You can no longer make a decision to change your destination. So you've got to determine your destination now. Because you don't know how long you're going to live. Your destination is secure if you know Jesus. You know what? Your destination is secure if you don't. It's just a different destination. There's only one of two options available. You choose Jesus in eternity with Him, or you choose hell in eternity separated from him. I'm not trying to scare anybody into a salvation decision today. I just want to remind you to celebrate Christmas, to celebrate Christ, because Jesus lived and died for your eternal destination. Got a quarter? Oh, there's some quarters in the house. You guys heard when I said you can keep the money, and y'all shuffled through and found the quarters. I know how you operate. That's what I would have done too. I'd be, if I was out there, I'd be holding up a quarter, so there's no shame, right? Guy's giving away free money. I might as well take all I can get, right? If I wouldn't have told you one coin, some of y'all would have taken three or four quarters before, if nobody was looking. I know. I'm going to mess you up now. The quarter doesn't start with a Q. I tried, man. I couldn't come up with a word. 
The quarter being the most valuable of our four most common coins represents value. God values you greatly. God values you greatly. The fact of the matter is, you are priceless to him. There is no price in the world God would take for you. He wouldn't trade you for anything. Nothing. You are priceless, invaluable. He values you so greatly that God gave the greatest gift, the most valuable gift, a priceless gift to you and for you when he sent his son Jesus out of the heavens, wrapped him in skin, and made him a human being, parked him on earth, and he lived for 33 years a sinless life. And then he died a sacrificial death to pay the price for you. That, ladies and gentlemen, is the greatest gift in the history of the world. It's the greatest gift that can ever be given. And it was given to you whether you choose to receive it or not. That's how much God loves you. That's how greatly He values you. He gave his son. And I ask you today and this Christmas to remember who you celebrate and to remember why you celebrate so that you will celebrate Jesus and not any of those other things. And that you will remember Christmas, the purpose of Christmas is celebration, not survival. Celebrate this Christmas and every day, Jesus.